Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Finding Fertility. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I am super excited to have you here on this Friday. Today we have another beautiful guest on. It's Monica Bevis. She is a IVF coach and she knows all about IVF. That is for sure. But I wanted to bring her on to share her story of how she coped after the loss of her beautiful little girl. Now, having a stillbirth has to be, in my opinion, hands down, one of the hardest things um, to deal with for anyone, but especially for anyone going through infertility. I hope Monica's story inspires you that taking control of your mental health is not just about seeing two pink lines, but it's truly about being able to cope with all the ups and downs that life can throw at you. So without further ado, here's my girl, Monica. So tell us a little bit about uh, your journey leading up to trying to conceive. Okay, it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a story that, for example, I took it by granted. Why I tell you that? Because, uh, well, I'm from Colombia, uh, I don't know if you know, and my dad and my mom, they got, you know, married and my mom got pregnant very easy. They didn't plan to have too much children. Their plan was two, but eventually they had three girls, I'm the older of three. But from my mom's side, actually, uh, my grandpa and my grandma, they uh, had 18 kids. They had nine girls and nine boys. So uh, all on, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I have like 273 cousins, like count, you know, I went into each of my uncles and aunts. Okay, you win. Like my mom's one of nine and I thought I was from a big family, but you are, you win. <laughs> oh yes, my husband is like, what is this? You know, every time that people come from Colombia, it's like, oh my gosh, again. <laughs> So the thing is, I took it for granted because basically all my aunts and the wives of my uncles, they will get pregnant with a blow of a kiss. Whew, and that's it. They got pregnant. So I was like, you know, honestly, when I was young and I went to college, I never had in mind having kids, Monica, because the world wasn't like it is now, but it was bad so i always thought why to bring kids into the world so i enjoy my my young years i went to study but then i met my husband and i I, he had a girl from a previous relationship and i fell in love with her and i said okay i was 30 years old i say i want a family and i thought that's it you know i'm gonna have amazing sex with my husband and i'm gonna get pregnant and it didn't happen (laughs) it was not that easy so we tried for three months i went to the doctor he said that maybe you know like they in the beginning says you know maybe it's a stress you are just starting and the first thing you know you are 30 so you know you need to maybe work it out a little bit six years six months passed i went they gave me clomid to you know and then a year passed and i was like something is wrong with me and my family you know I, I look at the genetics I say this is not possible and is something wrong with me because he already has a girl mm-hmm. so I went to the doctor and I told him listen there is no more clomid there is nothing you do everything that needs to be done because I think I have a fertility issue so eventually he did we did um, a sterosalpingogram and 
they found that my tubes were blocked. So we did, it, it was devastating for me because I, like you said, I didn't know best. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm infertile. And I cried my eyes and he was like, relax, you know, there is some things that we can do. So we did laparoscopy to try to unblock the tubes, but it didn't work. I had a very strong endometriosis. So the scar tissue was too, too uh, attached for many years since I got my period. So the only way was that. Yeah. So it devastated me. When he started to explain me the process, he was like, oh my gosh. But my husband supported me and he said, you know what? It's not impossible. You still can get pregnant. You know, it's like if they're going to tell you you have no eggs or your uterus is broken, something like that, you know. Yeah. So we yeah. went over, did our first IVF, and I was very lucky that the first IVF worked and is not is my now 13-year-old daughter. And again, as we we didn't know better, and we didn't know that we could freeze our eggs or our other embryos, and we just let it pass. And you know, we said, okay, so next time we go through another IVF, and it's gonna happen as easy as this one. Really? So, yeah. sorry, I'll take you back. Uh, one, I want to take you back to the endometriosis. Did you know that you had this issue through your 20s? So no. it was kind of like a silent endometriosis, which exactly. a lot of people don't realize that you, you can have that. Yes. Yeah. And my, my periods were extremely heavy, Monica, very heavy. I sometimes, honestly, sometimes from the pain, you know, I could lose conscience from okay. the pain. Yes, you were having some types of um, endometriosis symptoms, but you didn't weren't linking it. And I didn't even know because my, my periods were regular every 26 to 28 days. So I thought it was normal. Like you said, we never think, and I was never thinking about checking on my periods, which is something that today I suggest to most women, either if they want to be mothers or not. You yeah. And it's crazy because, I mean, a lot of women I'm speaking to now, I think almost every episode, um, we weren't thinking of that. Um, and it's um, not until you, you know, go into an, like a clinic or, you know, you are diagnosed that you're like, oh yeah, I guess something was wrong with my periods. Maybe that wasn't normal, but um, it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of work now that I, out there that's normalizing these things. I'm hoping that the younger generation at least gets that step down. <laughs> oh, I'll do it. I, I'm very careful, for example, here with my daughters. I, I change a lot the household products, even the cosmetics. You know, now girls at 13, they want to use this. So I'm very careful to buy vegan, to buy, to check the ingredients because there is a lot of what we put in our bodies that can affect our fertility. Mm -hmm. And uh, we became vegan five years ago and then I start to, to, you know, to read a lot and it's not like proven yet, but there is a lot of studies that show that eggs are kind of somehow linked to endometriosis. Okay. Well, yeah, that would be a food intolerance, um, which a lot of people, eggs are a, a, a very healthy um, thing for most people. Um, but if you have a food intolerance, which endometriosis is a um, uh, um, brain fart, a um, immune issue. And yes. so it all goes back to your gut. And so if you are eating um, foods, anything, it doesn't matter if they're healthy or unhealthy, oh, no. 
that aren't good for you. And yeah, that does not surprise me that um, I would imagine a lot of people with um, immune issues have an egg intolerance um, and just don't pick up on it because eggs are healthy, right? We're told eggs yes, are healthy. And I used to love them. Oh my gosh, it was since I was little for breakfast, that was a must. So, you know, yeah. that's mm-hmm. how. So we we didn't know more yet like better and we didn't froze our embryos which we could have that was my second question that boggles my mind really that wasn't a thing in the clinic or they didn't told us they didn't told us and and we were in shock after that you know after we knew that uh, we it was was one of the nurses you know like she was very I guess she, you know, some people we carry in our minds and things, yeah. a lot of personal stuff. And, and we kind of forget sometimes to advise others, not because we mean to, but because some kind of our personal things. Uh, and then when we knew that we could do that, my husband screamed at the doctor, Dr. Brandes. And I tell you something, he, he, he is amazing. And he apologized. He is such a good hearted person that he said, you know, like, Come to me the second time when you're going to do it. He gave us a very big discount from that mistake because he, he took responsibility as, as his team. You know, we love that. We did the second and then another mistake happened. The nurse that was, you know, they call you to give you all, you need to put this quantity tonight, da, da, da. They switched charts and they gave me the chart of another lady. So my ovaries went like balloons and I got OHSS and, you know, my numbers in the hormones came crazy. We have to cancel. Yeah. Again, my husband screamed at him. The guy apologized, you know, he said, listen, we cancel. Next treatment is zero, free. And he even provided me the, the medicines. And for some reason, Monica, I went with him. He was, and, and I tell you, I will never regret that I did it. Because yeah. the third time it was my, my pregnancy with my baby girl, that I um, I lost to uh, 39 weeks, but that has nothing that that was nothing to do with him. Somehow during the pregnancy, I developed some blood issue, so a blood clot in the umbilical cord. That's it. Yeah. Killed my girl. Were you ever diagnosed with blood clot issues before that? No, kind of just a freak thing. No, 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 absolutely. And during my first IBF, they did all the tests of, you know, the phospholipid, autoimmune uh, blood clotting. The second time it was because I couldn't, I didn't get pregnant and it has to cancel. It didn't. And this third cycle, we did the same. I was on aspirin, like exactly in my first cycle until the seven month. Like, you know, each doctor has its own protocol. Yes. And then, you know, because I was 37, I did the amniocentesis, you know, that big needle in the belly, which is super painful. And we found out the baby was a complete normal girl. You know, Monica, sometimes things happen for reasons that we don't know. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I do find it really admirable that you you had that um, that trust in the in in your clinic even though mistakes were happening and that that's just humans right we are humans and we are really um controlling or manipulating something that we don't have control over so definitely right mistakes are going to happen when you are doing um let's go back to your first ivf so after it was a success um did that give you a level of confidence that maybe um, 
kind of blindsided you going further into your treatment, if that makes sense. So for me, um, we had our baby boy. We finally had a, a, a boy and then we had two embryos left and we went in, we had the diet, we had the lifestyle, we had the drugs. We were going to have twins, right? Like yes. it's going to happen. And then I miscarried and um, I felt blindsided by, um, I guess, the confidence. And I mean, even though no matter um, how you have a miscarriage, where you are in the world or how you're feeling, it's always going to be devastating and sad. Um, But yeah, I feel like I had this level of confidence going, it's going to work. Why wouldn't it? It worked the first time. Absolutely. I had that too. And I even had a little thought that maybe a miracle could happen and I would get pregnant somehow natural. You know, I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe there is a little hole in one of the tubes and somehow it's going to pass. I, I, I always thought that. And, and even the confidence went to the point that I tell you the next treatment is going to like this. If this one worked first time, because most of the doctors tell you, well, you know, when you jump into IVF, only 25%. And most of the first time treatments doesn't work. So for me, it was like, again, you know, and that's a problem we human have. We all have this problem. We take things for granted, no matter what it is, Monica, and we had. But, you know, sometimes I think, why not? Why not? A lot of people work with that, manifest something, and it, take, it might take years for that thing to manifest. So it's, I think it's a good thing that sometimes you can feel blindsided or confident about something if something already worked. What maybe, what maybe we are not prepared for is for failure, to the what if. We need to maybe, yes, be confident, but always think that life happens, obstacles come, and maybe after you jump certain obstacles, that thing is going to come as you already put it in your mind, but we are not prepared for the what ifs. Yeah. And and even if we try to prepare for the what ifs in life, we still continue being the same. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we've talked about a lot before is that you're going to hyper-focus about it anyways, right? So why not just do it in a positive way? Get that overconfidence. And like you say, it manifests into maybe something that you won't, didn't even believe could happen or didn't realize could happen. Or, you know, for me, you know, keeping that belief and doing all the hard work, I got pregnant naturally after two months of that miscarriage. Um, So yeah, it is, um, you know, a lot of people I think look at the staying positive, which I don't believe you can stay positive all the time. But what I'm saying is um, building your confidence, you know, reaching for those goals and not guarding yourself, you know, because um, I think it will happen in a way you don't expect it to happen and you are going to fail. And not to take those failures and go, oh, well, that didn't work. I'm not going to do the mindset. I'm not going to do the diet. I'm you know, not going to try again, or I'm not going to have faith in my body because we all fail, right? Absolutely, Monica. And you know what? Sometimes the failures are very painful. Mm. Sometimes that failure, and, and like you, you said something very to the point and is that things come in, in ways that we don't expect it. It's so true. When my stillbirth happened, I was a wreck. I'm not going to tell you no, because it's like you said, staying positive all the time can't, can't be possible because it can't be. 
life is made to learn and we learn through mistakes and painful things as also as, as well we learn through good things so what i did i was crazy i my body was already prepared so i had to rub my my breast to dry the milk i didn't you know usually you have a baby you wake up because your baby wake you up crying i wake up because the baby was not there so it, i was missing that so what I did, I told my husband, I drilled his brain that I need to do an IVF right now. And he was like, I use, you, you're crazy. You just have a baby. Your hormones are crazy. You, I drilled him. I told him, I don't want this doctor anymore. I called this doctor and I told him, Dr. Randes, I need another doctor. He was open. He gave me like five amazing doctors. I choose one. I went to him. He told me the same. You cannot do this now. But the poor guy was, I drilled everybody, Monica. I came crazy. And I guess they... They didn't have a choice. I put them against the wall. I went to do IVF. I got pregnant. I miscarried because emotionally, I was total wrecked. Physically, my body was consumed. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, all the balance between my mind and my physique and my soul was a mess. Yeah. But sometimes we need to go through that, you know, go all so deep through the dark. And there is only two choices. There is no middle ways here is either we run into that dark and we just give up and do whatever we have to do to stay there or we get out of there and we move on yeah and it's the time that i mentioned you that my marriage also start to crumble because this can affect a lot of your surroundings well, a hundred percent. I mean, infertility itself is a huge um, burden on yourself emotionally and physically and your and your partner and your friends and your family around you. Um, I feel like there's a lot of different emotions that you have and either you're pushing your friends and family away, you're pushing your husband away, or you're, you know, just a different person or, you know, there's lots of things you can be doing to yourself that projects onto everyone else absolutely and whether that's justified or not like you say we all have to go through those stages it is recognizing it and going whoa like this is not what i want for my life this is not what i want for my marriage this is not what i want for my friends and family and in reality even if you get pregnant this is not the type of person i want to be with a baby Absolutely, absolutely. And I, that's, where, that's where it comes what you said, that things happen in a very unexpected way. I realized after that, you know, my marriage was crumbling and everything. And, and then it's like a hammer, you know, come and hit your head. And I'm like, okay, something needs to happen. This needs to be a change. And the change comes not from outsiders. It comes from our within. When we change, then the things start to change around us. Yeah. So I start to see what is my side, what on my side I'm doing that is affecting that surrounding. And we start to work together with my husband. Okay, so we love each other. Yes. So we're going to try to work it out. So I focus. That's it. I said to myself, I need to stop to focus on baby mm -hmm. because I already have a child. I lost my child and I just, Monica, I'm telling you, when, and, and I understand women when they said, even if you miscarriage at a few weeks, nobody else but us understand that pain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nobody else. So a few weeks, uh, five months, 
me almost nine months, of course, the more time goes for a mother, it's harder to lose a child as the time grows. So miscarriage for me was terrible, you know, a baby, complete baby. So for someone that has a teenage and God forbid something happened, it's harder. Yeah. But then I said to myself, okay, I don't think that whatever my soul, the soul of that baby is, wants to see me this way. We worked for a year. I stopped to focus on baby. And then a year later, we did an, an, our last IVF and we decide that's going to be the last. Either we get pregnant or not. And we did it. And, and, and that's when something clicked on my mind. And I say, you know what? I went through so much, like hell of a time, that there is so many women there that they don't know that there is someone that can help them and, and you know, tell them, yes, it's difficult, but you need to remember that before baby, you still have a life and, and, and you need to kind of balance that. I got pregnant. They were twins. One uh, we lost and the one that stay is Maya. She's five. No, she's six. And I tell you something. Once she born and my husband put her on top of me, I felt that it was the same soul of Isabel, the baby I lost, different body. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was the time for that baby to come to me. To come. She couldn't come that time because probably our marriage already was crumbling without me knowing it because I was just focusing on my own pain and not looking at others. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, I always think it's very bittersweet, rainbow babies, um, yeah. because you know the only way that baby could be there is, is because um, that the baby that you lost wasn't ready, wasn't wasn't yes. meant to be for you and both of my boys are rainbow babies and um yeah it makes me like I'm not a teary person but I'm kind of tearing up right now it's a, <laughs> it's a very bittersweet thing to go through and anyone who has just recently gone through a miscarriage or a loss or a stillbirth um you know fight for your mental health and your happiness because um there will be better times yes you know that they will always be in your heart but I always feel like um, I always strive to keep them in my heart in a very positive way. Yes, that's how, that's how I do, you know, like, and, and, you know, my 13 year old knew because she was five and she kind of remembered. And, and I approach, you know, like me and my husband are very open mind somehow, especially him, somehow when I meet to explain something and I'm stuck, especially my, you know, my English is not my first language. So I, I need sometimes to remember words. So, I, well, he's from Israel, so he has the same issue. But for some reason, he's more like open mind. So I throw the ball on him and he's like, what? And I'm like, you are better. So he explained to her, my six years old, Maya, the other day we were talking about Isabel. So she's like, who's that? And then my 13-year-old, my oh, it's a baby that mommy lost. Oh, you have a picture? And I'm like, yes. So she's like, I want to see it. I say, no, not now. But then, you know, like a few days later, she came and she said, I want to see it. And for some reason, Monica, is like you said, the things come in the moment without expectation. And I say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to show it. And then I explained to her that I feel she is the same soul. And she, I felt she understand. Both my children know that they are IBF. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. Why? I'm explaining them and I feel it. I feel very happy, actually, because I think that women like you and me that go through IBF is the closest we can get to how God handled that thing, that miracle of life. It's incredible. Yeah, it's um, a very, I mean, 
I, I don't want anyone to have to go through IVF unless you absolutely have to. Um, that's kind of my mission. But I would say it is an insane thing to be able, we have um, video of my IVF baby, of his embryo from pretty much moment of conception to um, splitting into the eight cells. They have these things called embryoscopes. Yes. Um, and it is insane. It's absolutely insane to see um, the, I, I, I call it the burst of life. You know, that yes. is life. Uh, it's um, at the beginning. And I think people who um, are in that world of IVF and have seen it, um, why miscarriages might um, affect them uh, like an earlier miscarriage is because you just have all this information that you would never have during a natural pregnancy, you know? So it makes it, um, it just makes it, I guess, more real, more in your face. I know it's hyper-focusing and maybe not a great thing, but um, I feel that's why us in the infertility world and especially in the IVF world is that we're so, we're there, we're there from the moment before it even gets created, right? The eggs and the stuff. Absolutely. We are before it's even, you're right. And you know what? The moment they transfer an embryo, we are pregnant. We yeah. are pregnant because it's an embryo. It's an emb we are pregnant. Now, whatever happened during that two weeks, which is a crazy thing too, yeah. it's, but we are. So that is absolutely much more strong on us. And I am with you. I am with you, I, every person, every client, every woman, every couple that come close to me, I always tell them before jumping on IVF, there is other ways. Yeah. There is other ways. Do like, uh, uh, do, do a three-month challenge to, your ch to yourselves. There is so many, many ways. Women with PCOS, you know, like I have a very close friend that had that and she's ready to have her baby girl, you know, like, and she changed a lot in her diet, more healthy. She started to... It's also up to us because as you said, it's the closest and it's incredible, it's a miracle, but because of that same thing, sometimes can affect us, you know, like, wow. Yeah. And then it's more, more strong how we take the pain. Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to um, after the loss of your little girl. Um, do you think that maybe you weren't mentally prepared um, to handle those situations in the sense of the loss and then jumping right back into the IVF and maybe your marriage was on the rocks. Where, where, I, I don't know, why, why do you think that you kind of took the grief and just kind of pushed it aside and started focusing? Where were you mentally in that space? Uh, that in, hindsight, in hindsight, like looking back at yourself, do you think you... You might have thought you were healthy during the pregnancy mentally, but do you feel now that maybe you weren't? Exactly. You just said, I, not me, not my husband. I go back, and of course, during the grieving process, I didn't see it, but today where I am at and when I go back, definitely, Monica, we were not prepared. As Me as an individual, him as an individual, both as a couple, we were not in a good place. And that baby definitely wasn't for that time. Uh, so, yes, when I look at that now, we were not in a good place. We don't realize it in the moment that we are that, you know, because we just 
don't think about it. Yeah. Our minds are so focused on other stuff and maybe even in whatever. We were having issues, not as big as we, we had it after the loss, but we were having. It's like a little snowball, you know? So it was accumulating, accumulating, and then I guess that this soul saw it or somehow God saw it, consciousness, you know, whatever you call your God, saw it and you know like this is not the time for this i'm sorry this is gonna end and and it happens and i don't i i know that that our community hates this um but when you put children into the mix your mental health gets tested absolutely and um i like i just want to say that because i think um you know it's hard to hear someone say that that soul wasn't meant for now and i think especially in the infertility community um i think that might be hard to um hear someone say but with our hindsight um and what we've been through um we can say um with all due respect that we do know that when you have children um it's hard and even if you're mentally and emotionally prepared to um, bring a life into the world and your, you, you know, your marriage is amazing, shit happens. Oh, and, yes. And do, your kids are, we think like, especially I know for me, I spent a lot of years of thinking like, I'm going to have a little me and I'm going to have a little my husband and this is how it's going to be. They're their own person, man. And they are going to like throw shit at you that you never thought they were going to throw. And <laughs> If yes. you're not mentally in a good place um, for for that to happen, all your other shit that's going on that you didn't realize is going on is just going to explode. Oh, yes. It's a snowball. You just say it. They are their own person. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. They are their own person. And they might have things from us. And I, I'm going to say something also with, with all due respect um, because – is once you are there, once you have them, you think about it, Monica. And I tell you something. Number one, with the world like it is, you know, the world is upside down. Of course, our children are the ones that we need to fill them with love to maybe ha- be the hope of this world that is crazy. And number two, you just say when they start to grow, when they start to build a personality, sometimes you feel like you are in the zoo. Sometimes you feel that there is no solution. There is no things to come up. And sometimes I myself said, did I did right? I am do, am I do right as a parent? Did, did maybe I, you know, like if you go, I, I, you think, let me go back on time. Do I will go over this again? Really? Yeah. And that's what I say. Like, I'm grateful in a way for my infertility because it made me sort my shit out before I had kids. And, you know, everyone's heard me say it before. I would have been a really shit mother. I don't think our marriage would have been nearly as strong and maybe not even be married if we had kids at at 27 when I started. Um, I think that um, it's really hard to look into the future and prepare for what is to come, you know? Um, Absolutely. You know, now that you talk about that, there is a movie that I, I always recommend to all my clients because it's showing you that, you know, things that are supposed to happen, they are unavoidable. And, and, and this is an incredible, it's uh, Interstellar 
with uh, yes. Matthew McConaughey. Yep. Is that movie I can watch it over and over and over again, and I always come up with the same question: How the heck he was in five times at the same time? That's soul. That's soul. And this is what rainbow babies are. They are soul. They can be there. Suddenly they are not there because they also, you know, like we. That's what we are. You know, I always said. You know, we are uh, spiritual beings that are having a human experience, which is not an easy one. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> it's you know, like you say, cheat happens, life happens, and 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 we somehow because a spiritual being is such a perfect, uh, you know, energy. So somehow, whomever is handling their day, the little things, decide that. The, perfection is not so perfect so go and learn imperfection or something like that so but it's something that can help us focus on on see you know like we can't control life yeah exactly so what um what was your big aha moment then of going I'm in a really shit place things aren't working out I need to start changing do you have a defining moment or do you think it was just a um a little bit of a build-up um actually i had one moment i you know like when when uh, when we lose a baby when we miscarriage you know like we have moments in which we kind of forget or i don't know that moment kind of gone you know the grieving processes start with ne- you, you it's a negation you you deny it it doesn't exist you don't believe sometimes you want to wake up from that dream so there was moments in, in during that time that I could, like, you know, people from our synagogue will come every day and, and, and I will feel that they were cheering me up. I, I never felt that before. And um, there was moments that we were talking during the time that they visit and then I will laugh, Monica, and then suddenly my subconscious is like, why are you laughing? You just lost a baby. It's like you see it as, as a bad thing. And then my last time, and, and then you, and then you punish yourself, right? And then you are like, and then once people leave, it was the last time, the last time that people leave, I, I start to say to myself, why? And I, my mom was here and I'm like, why I need to laugh? I just lost a baby. Why, why if she says something funny and she's telling me, because that's life, because maybe she wants you to laugh. And I went upstairs to my closet and I closed the door and I start to cry like there was no tomorrow. And I start to feel that I don't want to leave anymore. And, and I'm going to be very open with this because I think that's what, that was my aha moment. And I thought about every possible way of ending my life in that moment, crying. And every time I thought about a way, it's going to sound funny, but... I thought at the same time, and what if I stay alive? What if it is painful? What everything is that my brain start to work. So eventually I, you know, like I realized that I don't want to die. I want to live. And the only way to live is, is not to forget what happened, but is to learn from it and to accept that I am going to have moments of happiness and love and it's okay because it doesn't make me a bad person or a bad mom. And I'm going to have moments where the memory is going to come and I'm going to cry. So I'm going to cry and let that pain go to open up again to the laughs that they are coming. 
that was the thing. And from that moment, I start to really, really work on that. And, and my husband was supporting me. And we said, that's it, we need to focus on us, on Elia, on Daniela, my stepdaughter, and on, on living happy as much as we can. And when something comes up, we sort it out. And if pain comes, because I'm not a person that's going to tell you, don't cry, you know, or don't feel the pain. We must feel the pain. Yeah. But we have a choice. Either we feel the pain and we let it out. We cry, we scream, we rant, we curse, we say all the bad words. So it's gone for that moment and open for the good things. Or we stay suffering all the life. Yeah. It's a choice. Pain exists, but suffering is a choice. And then we victimize ourselves. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's just easy to sit in that black hole, isn't it? It's much easier just to sit and block out the world. And um, yeah, but it's, um, it's not helpful to life. No, you know? no, no, it's not. That was my aha moment. I left the closet and I told my mom, there is not going to be a way that I will kill myself because it's very difficult. She's like, what? And I'm like, yes, I thought about all the possible ways. And, and I'm scared of that. I told her I'm scared of that. I'm scared, could be even, and she's like, good, that saved your life. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. Um, and so what tools uh, or things or what did you do to start implementing a more happy, joyful, positive life? Well, the, you know, one of the first ones was, this inspired me to do what I do today. And I love it, Monica. I, I really loved it. I love to help other women. I start to write. I always love to write since I was young. I love to write and I write beautiful, you know. And so then I start to practice writing in, in English. Uh, write about my emotions. Um, that was, it's a well-known thing that when you feel bad or when you feel like negative, it's good to write, let it go. Color it in purple because um, purple is the color of uh, like transformation and transmutation. And then I will rip it off and burn it. And then really like put that, it could be a placebo effect, but by the fact that you do that, so then it's kind of gone. Uh, I start to color a lot, like, you know, by coloring books. I love to play with colors. And then I start to write the draft of, of my, uh, my IBF planner because I thought, you know, I went through all my IBFs and it's a bunch of papers and it's a mess and I didn't organize. And I said, you know what, let me start a draft and one day it's going to be a book. So I guess that all my own journey, the, the happy moments, the painful moments blend together and, and create that passion on me that I am offering to other couples and women for me writing and color therapy or art even you know what I am not a painter I'm like a disaster painter but sometimes I go and I buy Michael's a little uh, canvas and I go to a YouTube uh, you know little basic this and I buy you know I paint some it's so releasing like it's very relief yeah for me it's relief it's finding what does that for you. And there's so many different options out there and exploring them and just doing them over and over and over again. You know, if you find something that you love, just continue to do it because it is it, uh, placebo or not, right? You're retraining your brain. Exactly. 
you are putting in new connections, you're getting rid of the old connections. So an old habit is maybe uh, coming home, being really frustrated, just turning on the TV, watching a, like really shitty programs, whatever they can be. I don't want to get into what they might be. And, you know, just do nothing on the couch. Yes. Coming home, maybe watching your favorite program, getting off the TV and writing or painting or doing something that is filling you up, that you're achieving something. And it is very simple, but yet really effective. Yes. And, you know, uh, I always tell people, you know, what I also choose this because I want to offer others the capability of making them understand that we, you and me, we were there. You know, I then became out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I walk this process and I know that saying things is easier than taking action. So, I, you know, I have few members in my group that left because I understand they went through 16 IBFs, 7 ICI, and they got tired of maybe me hearing, you know, try to manifest. I get it. I get it. Sometimes you need just block yourself, get out of this and maybe that is going to clarify your mind better because I went through five cycles. There is people who went through eight, nine. I have a, a beautiful friend that I met through my group in England. She went through 16 IBFs and seven ICSI. And she came to me one day, like upset. I'm tired. I'm upset. There is no God. This is shit for me. Like this. No more manifestation, no more coloring, no more writing, no nothing. And she left the group and then she apologized. I said, listen, if you want to talk to me, like just like that, that's the quick. Eventually, she got pregnant and she had a baby boy. And that's it. I'm so happy for her, but I also understand her. So, but whatever is the, the way you take it, like you said always, we need to remember that there is always a little spark and we must somehow reach that spark we can be there in the end or in the middle or close but the idea is is to get that spark and like you said before jumping into IBF really find and look to all the possibilities that we can have to get that baby yeah exactly and um, I love how the fact that you know I hope that most coaches out there or even doctors and nurses anyone supporting someone going through infertility realize that when someone needs to step away it's not because of you it's because of them and recognize that and support that and you know I get people coming and going all the time and that's good I feel like okay if you're not ready for this message you know I'm gonna be here so when you yes. are ready, let's go, you know, and um, we all have, like we've said before, those different stages. It's, and that's what infertility is. And really, that's what life is, right? We're not even us being where, gone through what we've gone through and being where we are now. We still have shit days. There's still oh my gosh. that are I had yesterday one. <laughs> I had yesterday one with my husband. It was for the most stupid thing, Monica, like for the most stupid thing. And and I think I'm going to get my period too. So I know that <laughs> when I get it, it's moody. And then I had to cry and tell him, you know, I'm sorry. I, I came on him so crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. And then this morning I just explode. I cry. And he's like, it's okay. You know, it's absolutely okay. And, and then he's like, I think you're going to get the period. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just recognizing that about yourself and going, okay, what can I do that that the next time that's going to happen, I can calm myself down that I'm not this, you know, 
you know, you're always striving, right? We're not perfection and we are never going to be perfection. But I hope that our stories and what we're doing now um, can really just inspire and maybe help people not have as long as journeys as we did and Mm -hmm. as many IVFs as we did, um, you know, learn from our mistakes, really. Yes, definitely, definitely. And like you said, you know, when we we build, you know, I, I did a lot of changes. I will build. And sometimes when I like fall and I have a day like yesterday, I feel like what I did, you know, like I feel you, you I feel like you erase all the good. It's not it's not that way. Exactly. Eventually, you know, we come up to a place we're humans, like you just said. And a fertility journey is not only to get pregnant and have a baby. Our fertility involves everything. How we behave with others, our circle, our family, our husbands, our children, if we already have. Yeah. And it's, um, I know for me, I wasn't really like mindful or like a hippie or any of this, like not like anything, right? I like, I was just, I felt like I was just a normal person. (laughs) really hard when you aren't like spiritually inclined to look at this stuff and go oh that that looks interesting like most of the time you're sitting there going like who the fuck you guys are weird like what do you mean coloring or (laughs) so like um and I feel like there's different levels of spirituality you know um you have just um the basic or you have the extreme and it's finding where you fit into there so you know, I don't want people to, like, I know a lot of people just go, that's just BS, right? You can't think your way pregnant. You can't do all that, which I agree with. You can't, like for me, I could not think my way pregnant because I had to deal with the underlining issues. For you, you couldn't, you know, will your, you know, your tubes to open. Yeah. Um, But it's so much more, as we know with hindsight, than just getting pregnant there's oh, yeah. a lot of shit especially when you get pregnant that you have to deal with and beyond so it's um really being open to that finding your level of comfort and you might yes. in and out of it you know i know there's times for me that i've seen in the past where i'm much more spiritual and then there's other times where i just say fuck every day <laughs> like that's just oh awesome. yeah absolutely there is days that I feel like very close to God whatever and there is days that I am like are you kidding me you know like what is this happening you know and 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 but it's natural because no matter what whatever our God is again I don't you know go through but for me he or she or whatever it is because we don't know loves me the same way bad good when I'm upset or not like we do with our children like we do with the people that we love you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know, I know. I feel I have my chitty days too. What do you think? (laughs) We coaches need coaches. I always said that. (laughs) Because you know, it's like you have the things in the house and then you are helping your clients. And sometimes it happens to me, like I finish with a client and, and I'm like, so like sad because I want to really find and So my brain is, and, and my husband is like, no, so I'm like, and I, I tell him, I, I want, he said, like, you cannot help all the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do what you can do. If she comes to you, it's for a reason. Yeah. So work the tools. And, and uh, like, he, he helps me so much to focus, Monica, because I'm all over the place. Yeah. And I, like I say, too, is that um, being a coach 
and seeing, watching these women go through their journey, it's like flashbacks, you know, you're oh. like, oh man, I, ah, oh, man. I, and you do, you want to grab them and you want to give them the biggest hug. Yes. And even though um, we hated it when people said it to us, you know, it will be okay in the end, no matter what your end looks like, it will be okay. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I feel you on that one. They say something, you just say, my husband said, in the end, everything will be okay. If it is not okay now, it's because it's not the end. And it's so true. Yeah, it is true. Very true. So we talk about hindsight being a bitch with everything that you have learned, been through, studied, experienced. What's the <laughs> one piece of advice that you would give to anyone going through infertility at the moment? One piece of advice. It's going to sound a little bit maybe not so good for some but patient yeah. patient this is the biggest test on patient mm -hmm. i was the most impatient woman in the world since i was young since i was little and i'm still learning monica i am this kind of person that if i have seven things in my list i want to finish them the same day and i still want to do that but it's impossible so I realized this is so much about patience and I know it's difficult and I know maybe it's going to be people in the audience that's going to say, fuck you, you know, like I have 17 cycles and this is, I'm still here. I do understand. But because I've been there in many different ways through my five cycles, because five cycles is five. But you know, just when I was pregnant from my last baby, they put me on blood thinners. So I lost, I, I have the stillbirth, you know. What I did, I couldn't leave this baby alone for a minute. I learned to count every single movement and I didn't let this baby sleep for a second until she born. And you have no idea how hyper she is. She wakes up every day at 5.30 in the morning from Monday to Sunday. And I know, I, I don't tell her anything because I know it. Patience. I, I was praying from the fifth month to the ninth to the 40 week, that it will be tomorrow. I was, every night, I wish tomorrow is gonna be the nine month and the baby's out because of the trauma I had from the stillborn. Patient, it's all patient. And you feel that it's not gonna end, but it's the only piece of the, it's the best advice I can give. Yeah. How you handle the patient, how you, you make, an, make it a habit, right, color. Oh, like you said, find something that you like, and then practice, 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 and then you fall in love with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A patience, yeah. It is, that is key, man. And um, <laughs> especially once you get into the medical side of infertility, um, you know, my heart breaks seeing these women go through back-to-back -back IVFs or doing two or three, even in a year, or IUI after IUI, you know, every other month or when they get their period back it's um we all want to be pregnant yesterday right yes um and but what, what we don't realize is that um taking a step back slowing down really connecting with what's going on with our body may get us pregnant quicker absolutely agree and you know your baby is going to be happier and healthier because of it. Yes, that is so true. It is so true. 
But thank you so much for having on. Um, I've had a great conversation with you and so lovely meeting you. Um, tell us a little bit about your IVF book because you did highlight it. Um, tell the listeners. Yes, I have one actually here is, uh, again, you know, it's for couples of women that definitely find that the only way is IVF. You know, I wrote the IVF planner. So it's, it's this book and what it is, is, of course, it's giving, giving you the basic of what IVF is, what could be the outcome, but it's more like a, your story. You, you write your own story. Why I did it? Because with the test and the numbers, we always go crazy calling the, the clinic. I want to know this. I want to, and then if you don't take note, you want to know the numbers. So this is going to help you for recording your IVF um, cycle. But not only that, you know, I didn't only focus on the part of the basics and the medical. I have a complete chapter, which is the two-week wait. And like I told you, one of the things and the tools that helped me is the coloring. So I designed the two-week wait with 14 mandalas. Oh. So, you know, the person has, you know, like you color as according as how you feel. And then in the end of the chapter, there is a journal. Or even you have a space in your, in your, in your chapter, in your each day page where you can write something like an affirmation, it could be a positive affirmation, like, okay, I feel wonderful today, like, and it could be something like, I feel like cheap and color it black, or just a scribble, scrabble, whatever you feel, but then when you have that, and you're going to go back, let's say you have the baby, so then you're going to tell the baby, you know what, this is how you came to the world. Yeah, I know I have your IVF planner in my shop uh, over on Amazon, and tell our listeners where they can also find you and your book. Okay, so you can find me in my website www.monicabivas.com. There is there all the links, you know, to resources to know about me, and there is there um, uh, the link to purchases. So you open that link, and you're gonna have there the book, and then you're gonna find the links to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all Amazon. I am in UK, Canada, Australia, and here in US. And through Balboa Press, which is, was the, the publisher that, you know, helped me to publish the book. And you're going to find there also some meditations, free resources. You can also contact me there. And, uh, you know, I offer always uh, to anyone a 30-minute discovery call. You know, I'm not like, I like to first, like you said, you know, I, I don't like to say, okay, I'm your IVF coach. Come on, let's go. You jump to IVF. This is what you need to do. I like to know first uh, the person or the couple because if there is something I can do before they are going to spend money because, you know, this is costly. Yeah. It's very costly. And I can help from the bottom of my heart. I always offer that discovery call. It's 30 minutes. And then if, you, if they choose that, so I have all my packages too there. Great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us and you're doing great things out there for the community and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Yes, Monica, thank you so much. It was an honor to be your guest today. A few more things before you go. If you would like to connect with our special guest, head on down to the show notes. You'll find all the links there. You'll also find links to connect with me over on the website at findingfertility.co. 
Over there, you can check out my one-to-one -one coaching. You can check out the Fertility Reconnect course, which I think we are gonna do in the end of May, maybe beginning of June. Super excited for that. And also, you can find me over on Instagram and TikTok doing my crazy thing. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, it would be amazing if you can leave a rating or review. We would love to know what your thoughts are, how we're helping you, and anything that we can do to improve the podcast. That's it for me, lady. I hope you have a beautiful weekend, and we'll see you next Tuesday.